Hello, movie lovers. I'm Izzy, and this is What Is Movie Podcast, a podcast about all things cinema. Every week, my co host Alexander and I sit down and talk about a movie we saw together. This week's movie is Jennifer Kent's 2014 horror movie, The Babadook. This film can be polarizing. Will we go berserk for The Babadook? Or is this certifiably Babadooky? Find out and enjoy. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hi. Hi. We made it to week two. All I gotta say is quite the damn journey. Yes, this is the second day that we're trying to film this and our fourth attempt at trying to record this podcast. Oh my goodness. It took forever. A lot of frustration and tiredness, and just, it was just annoying. Yeah, for those wondering why it's taken us this long, I forgot my microphone yesterday, so we tried to record it with just one microphone and it did not work out. So today we're trying to do it again. But besides that, we are here. We finally got it all set up, so I'm excited. Me too. I'm excited that we finally are getting to record this and there's still a podcast because I didn't think that there was going to be after last night. Yeah, we were both really, really frustrated, so I'm glad as well. Well, besides all the craziness, we're finally here and we're finally able to talk about the movies. What have you seen this week? So I watched eight movies this week and the one that I want to mention is Black Dynamite. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that was made in 2009. It is like a parody slash spoof on the 70s black exploitation films of that era. Uh And I was really pleasantly surprised because I was scrolling through the Last Chance category on HBO Max and there was like a hundred movies that were going to be removed by the end of this month Mm -hmm. and i clicked on this one i was like whatever i'll just put something on and this one looked silly and i ended up really really loving it and thought it was great and i showed you some of the self-aware moments Uh which is really cool to see um what was your favorite part oh i don't know that's so hard (laughs) i think my favorite part might be when black dynamite is fighting with some of these henchmen and he ends up slapping one of them (laughs) And the guy goes, motherfucker. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I know which one you're talking uh, about. I just thought that was hilarious. Uh-huh. I ended up giving it a four and a half stars and a like. So I really, really Ooh. loved this. Read your review. I want to see it. My review is, can you dig it? Because that's something they say throughout the whole movie. Oh, that's cool. And I wrote, yes, Black Dynamite. Yes, I can. This is hugely underrated. This was an unexpected treat to find just before it leaves HBO Max. Absolutely hilarious during its self-aware moments and completely nails the spoof on 70s films of that era. That sounds super cool. Um, I'll have to check it out before tomorrow, before midnight, right? Is it? Do you think it's midnight or do you think it's by the end of tomorrow? I think it's going to go out by 9 p.m. today. No. Yes. No. Yes. Oh, gosh. I hope it goes somewhere where I am able to watch it. Yeah. And if not, then I'm sure we have a whole bunch of websites. <laughs> Oh, I forget about those ones. Yeah. Websites and Brave. Perfect combo. So we also both saw The Northman as well, and we saw the day it came out. Which was super fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes it was. No, but I really did enjoy it. Uh uh-huh, I agree. Um, I think my favorite part about that movie had to be how, like, outlandish it was with its magical, mystical moments and the gore. The gore was super cool. Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed the gore. And I thought that the cinematography and the attention to details Uh that were followed was amazing. Uh I agree. And that's definitely a movie that you enjoy best on the big screen. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
But that's all I wanted to share. What about you? What'd you watch? So this week I also watched eight movies, one of them being The Starling, which has Melissa McCarthy, probably one of my favorite actresses. She is in probably one of my favorite movies, Tammy, which is really, really, really fun to watch. So if you ever want to like have something like a good laugh, I think Tammy is the best choice for me. Definitely. Did we watch Tammy together for the first time? Or who showed who? Tammy. I think you watched Tammy first, and then we watched it together a few years back and then we watched it again and then we watched it again and again and again and then and again, again. <laughs> but i just love tammy so much which is actually one of the movies i watched this week too but yeah we both saw that we both saw it so anyways she's in the starling and this is just a really cute feel-good movie that just shows the aftermath of the loss of a loved one and i just think that it was really cute i rated it a three stars only because if it wanted to go in depth with the grieving process i think it could have you would have preferred it more if it went to a more gritty kind of view i would have preferred it more if it showed what life was like before their loved one had passed away it would have been a more impactful watch interesting but other than that i thought it was really cute and it was really fun and the whole entire time she fought with the bird which was just so funny to watch but yeah so i gave it a three stars and i liked it i really enjoyed it that's good everyone needs like those feel-good movies every once in a while yeah i agree and i definitely think it's refreshing to those who might have gone through the same process so i definitely enjoyed it that's all i i i can really say is that it was just it was an enjoyable watch but i definitely think that a lot of people might think it's too light what are you saying? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it was really cute, and I really enjoyed it, okay, so that's I'm all giving it three let's, stars. Let's, 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 we're moving on. Okay. We're moving on. Okay, what else did you watch? I also watched a couple of comedy specials with you. And all I gotta say is Ali Wong Dong Wong did not age well. <laughs> yeah. That ending that ending comment, oh boy. Yeah. For those wondering, her special is about how she wants to basically cheat on her husband. The whole entire time is like how she's like, I'm just stuck and I just want to have <laughs> sex with hundreds of people yeah yeah exactly but then she closes it with but that's what i call a happy healthy marriage one month later people magazine broke the story that they're getting divorced <laughs> i was like oh my gosh so but i mean I, I guess because i don't really go along with her ideology a lot of those jokes i didn't relate to i didn't necessarily enjoy it so i gave it a two and a half stars yeah i, I did as well I, I enjoyed her other specials more which I would like to see, hopefully soon. But yeah, and I'm sure that her new special is definitely going to have a lot of substance yeah, with she's the gonna divorce. Yeah, going to have a whole bunch of new material. <laughs> Uh, the next one I watched was Earthquake. I just thought he was really funny. I definitely think that your dad could relate to a lot of his jokes. Oh, he thought it was hilarious. He was dying laughing. Which is just so funny and so cool. I really liked his closing jokes about his son and being a father. Yeah, I could just imagine my dad like thinking about those jokes and laughing. <laughs> yeah. I gave him a four stars. Uh, a four stars? Yeah. I gave him four stars. Oh, I gave him four stars. It was short and sweet, and I think that's what I really liked about it you know he didn't try to go too far too long too much it was just nice and sweet yeah the runtime was only 30 like four minutes and mm -hmm. i agree because usually comedy specials are like an hour sometimes an hour and 20 minutes mm -hmm. so this had none of that like the shitty filler that you have in like where it's like oh uh -huh, like funny joke when they're not yeah i get you so i was like 
<laughs> Sorry, I glitched. <laughs> so that's all you wanted to talk about? Yes, it is all I wanted to talk about. I'm excited to finally get into this movie. Yeah, me too. I have a whole bunch of notes. But before we get into it, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Ooh, we have a sponsor? Yes. Ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy listening to our podcast, please, please, please go over and follow us on Instagram at What is Movie Pod? And if you want to stay up to date with everything that we are watching, you can follow us on Letterboxd and you can follow me at Generic Droid and you can follow Izzy at Izzy Petrie. Go do that. And please also rate our podcast five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcast and leave a review. And if you do, we'll read your review on the next episode. Okay, back to the podcast. And we're back. Hello. It's time to talk about the, the Baba Doo. That's so lame. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Alrighty, why don't you read the synopsis of this horror movie? Okay. A single mother, plagued by the violent death of her husband, battles with her son's fear of a monster lurking in the house, but soon discovers a sinister presence all around her. Okay, so what's your first point that you wanted to bring up? My first point, which actually is a reoccurring point throughout the whole entire film, is how annoying Samuel was, which is a little boy. Played by Noah Wiseman. He was just extremely obnoxious, always nagging at his mother. I just I felt so bad because she was a single mother so she just never really disciplined him and he would just do it all the time yeah and what you had told me right after we watched the movie when you were saying how he definitely might have some undiagnosed mental conditions uh -huh. which might attribute to his quote-unquote annoyingness uh -huh. I definitely think not having a father he didn't have a male representation of like how to act and his mother was always gone so she was never really there she's always working to provide for him so there was no one really to truly raise him you know yeah and i was super shocked after the movie is over and i looked at his credits uh -huh. and he's literally not done like anything else yeah, like this is his one movie that he's been in the one film that he's been in which is weird i definitely think that he's a good actor he was good and there were some scenes where he looked so scary oh my gosh i know exactly what you're talking about yeah like there would be moments where obviously he's supposed to be the victim of this uh -huh. story but there's moments where you kind of see i don't know if it's the lighting or uh -huh. if it's intentional but he looks terrifying <laughs> yeah maybe i just hate kids <laughs> oh my gosh yeah anyways so what was your first point what really stood out to me was how drab that house looked that shade of blue mm -hmm. felt so lonely and isolated mm -hmm. and it just made me feel so like lethargic while watching it i just was like i felt drained just like how what's her name amelia amelia felt throughout the film she's always needing sleep or trying to use her medication that she got from the doctor to sleep uh -huh. and that's what we really see that's repeated over and over is the lack of sleep and how the monster of the Babadook is able to grow stronger as they grow more and more tired and scared yeah I definitely agree as Samuel 
was able to get his sleep from the medication, she just slowly got more and more deprived from it and just so scared that she just felt like she had to stay up all night long. Yeah, I think the reason that she stayed up all night long is when we see the Babadook finally kind of reveal himself. Which is such a weird reveal. Yeah, it was almost like a stop motion animation and it felt not scary. It was very fidgety. He was just very fidgety and in a scary scene it's very smooth and it's very ah but it's yeah. like ha, 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 ha. i was like huh i was laughing at him when he put like his his hands over his <laughs> eyes like, like i'm, I'm shy, shy. <laughs> yeah he's like i'm one of the quirky girls like don't look at me yeah and but- then the reveal where he possesses her like he goes into her mouth was like weirdly like not soothing but not like the traditional jump scare that we see usually in like the exorcist or something yeah it definitely was very creative and it chose not to show like a nitty-gritty kind of gross possession like i'm going inside your body kind of thing it's very like oh let me go in your throat (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i loved how they used the transitions of time there was no like cuts it was just a bunch of like time lapses yeah yeah i thought that those were definitely cool i agree where you see the light kind of move over uh-huh and she's just like moving but she looks really scary when she's sleeping yeah you almost think like she's having a seizure but it's like oh okay time is passing she fell asleep yeah and this whole possession gets sparked by that book uh-huh. that she just finds in samuel's room mm-hmm. and she reads the book and i got scared and you were scared and we uh-huh. were both so scared this is how you know you're really scared is when <laughs> you start trying to make jokes while you're watching the movie <laughs> So you don't get scared because it's like nighttime, no lights are on, and I was Uh terrified. Uh But the terrifying feeling only lasted when we didn't see exactly how he was going to be presented. Mm -hmm. And that kind of mystery really lent itself to building the tension. Yeah, I agree. And I felt that once he was revealed, that tension dissipated. Yeah. And I was kind of bummed. The tension went away, but as it slowly went on, we we just got to see the transition of amelia and just how crazy she got and how it just literally derailed her and her son in those two days that they were in their home yeah and i think that as the movie morphs it kind of morphs from a traditional horror movie into Uh something i don't know like a weird blend of other genres and when we get into our conspiracies and analysis (laughs) i have one that i want to show you and i'm really really interested to break it down because i started reading the first couple of sentences and i had to stop myself because i was so excited yeah i went on reddit and i started to really agree with your idea that it really morphed itself into a different type of movie rather than a traditional horror and i definitely know that there are a lot of metaphorical meanings to this film rather than just a spooky scary story you know 100 percent, 100 percent. oh god no i was gonna ask you what your next point was uh, so was i <laughs> <laughs> okay uh my next point is what do you think the babadook is Oh boy! Is this is this not fair? Because you read Reddit's about it, so you're gonna be like, "Well, according to my thoughts," but it's secretly the analysis. <laughs> no, and yes, a hundred percent yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I have mixed feelings about this, but I definitely think that the Babadook is some sort of form of negative feelings. And it's not going to necessarily make sense now, but it will as I go into my Reddits. The Babadook, for me, is very metaphorical. And I feel like, in a way, he was made up completely. There was no paranormal activity or like the house isn't haunted, it was all in their heads. Interesting. I think that I do agree in some sense that it wasn't a literal monster. It was a Uh mental monster that both of them were facing because of their loss of their dad and Uh husband. Yeah. But that still doesn't void the fact that when the Babadook calls, Uh it was so creepy. Hello? so oh creepy oh my gosh i know oh boy it's so hard because it, like after that we just made fun of the phone call to make it less scary <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. so we like it's the whole entire yeah. time making it say like weird stuff <laughs> I, I remember it's that goofy ass <laughs> goofy ass <laughs> voice or something like that but uh-huh. i was definitely using those jokes as like a coping mechanism because i was i was scared so you're like i'm not getting scared anymore and also my dog was making weird noises Noises the whole time. My gosh. He kept going. And I was just like, he had never made those noises. (laughs) And then my, like, my speakers started glitching out. I was like, oh my God, this is not good. This is not good. (laughs) Oh, I know. You were like, hold on, hold on. Do you hear that? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, anyways. So should I talk about my next point? Yes, please. Okay. I just want to talk about how stupid some characters can be in films, and especially horror films. 100%, yes. Because as we were watching this movie, I was just like, as long as she doesn't burn the book, we're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then later on, she burns the damn book. I'm like, what did I tell you, Amelia? Like, yeah. come on. She originally tears it up. Tears it up, and then it comes back on her doorstep. But After she's thrown it away. Uh-huh, and it has more pages and in these next pages she killed her dog does she does it have more pages or are the pages rearranged no so basically it was the book had empty pages when she had first read it oh that's right and so she's like tearing it up tearing it up and then she goes outside and throws it away and then it comes back on her doorstep and all the pages are taped together but in those last pages that were empty it had more to the story yeah and then it comes back and it shows her killing her dog choking her dog out yeah. i was like oh yeah she's about to choke slam that dog it's one thing when a human dies and it's a completely other thing when an animal dies for me i yeah, don't know that's why what i hear that and people are like i don't care if i see four million people get butchered right in front of my eyes but if you hurt one dog i cannot deal with that i don't know i think for me it's like the sense of like a dog doesn't know it's being killed you know at least for me personally like a human knows like okay this person has malintent and they're oh, gonna kill it. me Okay. Like something's wrong with this person, but a dog's like, oh, my owner. And it doesn't know. It doesn't know anything. It doesn't know that the house is being possessed. Yeah. And Emilia is possessed. Uh She does end up butchering that dog. (laughs) Yeah. I take a shot every time we say possessed. (laughs) You'll be blackout drunk by the end of this. (laughs) Possessed, 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 possessed. (laughs) 
That's uh, for all the college students out there. You're welcome. <laughs> Noah does end up finding the dog. Uh-huh. And this is when Emilia is trying to coerce Sam into believing that she's okay and that they're going to go to the next door neighbors uh-huh. who has Parkinson's. What's her name? Miss Roach. Miss Roach. Yes. And she was like, I'm sick, Sam. I need help. I just spoke with Mrs. Roach. We're going to stay there tonight. Do you want that? And uh, that never happened. They stayed in the house and some... I forgot what happened next up to that. But... Honestly, this movie was kind of a blur. Yeah. And it, it went by weirdly fast. Yeah. I, I'm trying to pinpoint specific moments to talk about, uh-huh. but it all is just a vibe. It just kind of meshed in together. Yeah, 100%. I think the only distinct thing that I remember is when she was watching TV. Yes. That was super creepy. That yes. was really creepy. When she's watching TV, and you see these old-timey cartoons Mm -hmm. and you see this wolf jump into the skin of a sheep. Uh And I think that that definitely symbolizes how the Babadook and these demons that she's wrestling with inside her Uh are literally inside her. And on the outside is the nice mom persona. Uh I agree. And then when it showed the news report of a woman who stabbed her son. And it's her in the window. That was so scary. Ooh, I got a little bit of goosebumps there thinking about it. Because <laughs> she's smiling, right? Yeah, she's smiling. It's super so creepy. And then it says that she got shot by the cops because she wasn't cooperative. Yeah. You just see her in the corner of the window just smiling and it was just so creepy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, 100%. Uh-huh. I think that was my favorite scene. And then she like gets up because she's all scared and startled and she looks next to her and Samuel is stabbed. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh my god, she did it! <laughs> she killed him, yeah. We, we were both shook. And then she, like, rewoke herself and he wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, no, he was there, but she was holding a knife. Oh, she was, oh, yeah, and he was like, and yeah. she's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But Samuel definitely has issues, like you were saying, about how his father is missing. Uh-huh. So he acts out in school. The uh-huh. school's pissed. And yeah. Amelia has to basically threaten to pull him out of school. And she does. Uh-huh. Because they're not able to deal with him anymore and he keeps saying the Babadook did it or the Babadook's gonna come for you and he keeps repeating these things over and over and is trying to create contraptions uh-huh. to... to save him and his mom from this right. demonic I, monster I definitely felt a lot of sympathy towards him when he was just like I'm gonna protect you mom don't worry and his mom would just get angry at him and you know us as a watcher we know some crazy stuff is about to happen but she doesn't and and the son getting in trouble for literally predicting what's going to happen and trying to protect his mother, which inevitably he does with his contraptions. He right. trips her and shoots her with the dart thing. With the crossbow. Crossbow, yes. And then he has that weird like cannonball thing that yeah, hits her a, in the head. It's like a medieval like launcher. I don't yeah. know what it's called. Like catapult. There you go. Yeah. I also thought that was really cool. In a lot of scary movies, the kids are very innocent and just, you know, they're innocent bystanders and they're usually the ones who need saving. They're helpless. And exactly. They're helpless. And in this movie, Samuel definitely played his role. He's as, the one that is the protector. Exactly. Of his mom and tries to do everything to save her from this monster. Yeah. The real monster, in my opinion... Is that bitch Aunt Claire, or what is oh her name? Oh my 
gosh. Yeah. Claire, right? Yeah. Is it Claire? Are you sure? Yeah, she's absolutely horrible. And the, the scene where she's saying, As soon as anyone mentions Oscar, you can't cope. That's not true. It'll be seven years. Isn't it time you moved on? I have moved on. I don't mention him. I don't talk about him. What strain is that on you, Claire? I listen to your life day in, day out, and you never stop to ask me anything about mine. I do. I want to know how you are. You don't come around to our house anymore? Because I can't stand being around your son. I can't believe you just said that. You can't stand being around him yourself. I was like... How could you say that to someone? I completely agree with you. You can't get angry at someone for taking their time to grieve over their love of their life. There's no time limit on grief. Exactly. Exactly. And then definitely her snotty little kid in the (laughs) treehouse saying, You're not even good enough to have a dad. Everyone else has one and you don't. I do have a dad. Your dad died so he didn't have to be with you. That's not true. And your mom doesn't want you. No one wants you. (gasps) Just saying these terrible, horrendous, horrible things to (laughs) this poor kid. And Sam says, The Babadook would eat your mom for breakfast and then rip her arms off. Shut up. And then he ends up pushing her. Yeah. She breaks her nose, and Claire's and Amelia's relationship is kaput from there. I just don't get, like, how she could have broke her nose from that fall, though. <laughs> yeah, because when he pushed her, I she think... She was back. She yeah, her, back. Her, her back was facing the outside, uh-huh. but when she fell, she, was facing she hit her front. face. Uh-huh. So, I don't know if that was... I don't... We it, might have to rewatch that. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know. But, but it still was a strong scene. Yeah, definitely. Another point that I thought was really powerful was when Oscar, Emilia's husband, would appear as an apparition or some uh-huh. type of hallucination. Right. And he would say, I think it's going to rain. Oh. And I was just like, oh my gosh, because that's how he died. Oh, because it was raining and the car slid. And he must have slid. And uh-huh. he died when he was trying to take Amelia to give birth to Samuel. Uh-huh. So he was going really... He must have been going fast, slid, crashed. And crashed. And got T-boned. Uh-huh. And so every single time he says, I think it's going to rain outside. I was just like, oh, oh my God. I never, I never connected that. Oh, that is sad. Yeah. I think, I think that that's what it means. Yeah, I that's think... That's my it, interpretation. Yeah. Definitely. What was your next point? I don't necessarily have a next point, but I would like to get into the ending and how a lot of it can go up for interpretation. And, 100, yeah, 100% agree. And a lot of the times I was just begging these characters to not do a specific something and they would end up doing it. <laughs> what is the specific things you were thinking about? When Samuel had tied up his mother and she was on the floor of the basement and she finally like got out of it and she spit out the black liquid and 
he stops and he's like okay and then he goes and hugs her i'm like oh my gosh please i'm scared i thought like i was scared that she was gonna stab him or choke him out again (laughs) Uh i was so ready for it to happen because it just like the transition between her having the babadook inside her and her getting it out was just so quick she wasn't really fighting it reminded me a lot of the scene in the first conjuring when the mother was actually down in the basement tied up to a chair but she was going crazy crazy Yeah. yeah and her fighting for her body just didn't translate as much as i thought it would you know what i mean yeah towards the ending i also found the line i want you to meet your dad when he's when she's talking to sam i was like that is so scary. Uh-huh. And I was like, yo, dad, dad, boy. Like, no, no. She's like, like, it's beautiful, babe. Yeah. I was like, you're right, but don't don't put him there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really wild. Another really bone-chilling quote that kind of got to me was when they were ready to leave the house. And he goes, you can't get rid of the pepper dog. <laughs> And he gets grabbed by some sort of entity and ripped upstairs. And yeah. she's just like, Samuel! And I was like, oh. He gets thrown across the wall. Yeah. Like I a ragdoll. I was like, yeah, you're right. He never goes away. <laughs> you just felt like, like uh, between the scene in the basement and that scene, it was just like, mm, something don't that feel That was earlier right. in the movie though, right? I'm not sure. But I just remembered that it gave me the creeps. Yeah, it was this whole movie, the timeline, trying to follow it. I'm like, what happened there? What? When was this? Did this actually happen there or did it happen here? So how how did we... I forgot already. We literally watched this only a, like a day ago. Uh-huh. How did he... Oh, it, it cuts forward in time, right? Uh-huh. It cuts forward in time and then Sam is better. Emilia is sleeping well. But we then go into the basement, right? Yeah, it was it was about two weeks ahead when it was Samuel's eighth birthday. That's right. What was the scene before that? The scene before was... How did they trap the Babadook is what I'm saying. Oh, so basically what happened what is... What happened was... What happened was they were in Amelia's room and she was screaming in like the dark half of the room basically saying this is my house you can't be here you're trespassing and the babadook like screams at her she's screaming at the babadook and then the attire of the babadook just falls to the ground yeah and then she slowly walks over and this is the scene that i was talking about where you're just like please don't (laughs) and then she touches the top hat of the babadook oh it went like straight down right we followed it like a pov yes there you go it It was was a pov POV shot like snaking down into the basement exactly and then it cuts into the two weeks later later and then we see amelia looks happy samuel looks happy miss roach looks happy everyone looks happy a little too happy a little too happy exactly and it's like okay well what's this is not feeling like a horror movie right now and then 
we see she's in the garden uh-huh. and it starts in the soil and then as it pans up we see a layer with the dog that she killed and then it goes sam is digging up worms and he puts them into bowls into like a dog bowl was it a dog bowl it was just like a normal bowl oh and then he puts all those worms and maggots yeah and into stuff. a bowl uh-huh and then that's when amelia takes them downstairs to the basement and samuel's like am i ever gonna see it and then i'm like why would you want to see it yeah especially because all it's got like 17 bolts on that <laughs> yeah. on that door. Oh my god, I would not want to touch yeah. that door. And then we see her go down into the basement and she... Do we ever see the entity, right? No, we don't. No, we don't. And we just get another POV. Right. Of... And it tries to scare her, but uh-huh. she's like, shh, shh, they're there. Like, you know. Calm down. Like, here you are. Oh my gosh, these theories that they're I'm about, to, about go crazy. to get into. About to... Blow my mind? Blow your mind. Okay, interesting. And then finally, it goes as they're both outside, mm-hmm. and Amelia's holding Sam, uh, and that's it. Just and it just ends. Happy ending. Right? And it's just like, what did I watch? Exactly. This is so weird. I completely agree with you. And then the score as it fades out. Ooh, it was good. It was definitely an odd ending, and I just can't wait to get into these theories mm-hmm. with you. Yes, we have a letterbox review, from which I would like to get into first. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, then we'll take a quick little commercial break, and we'll be right back with these conspiracy theories. Okay, the one review that I deeply wanted to show you is by Eli Hayes, Mm -hmm. and sadly he's passed away, but he was apparently a beloved member of the Letterboxd community, so rest in peace. But his great writing lives on and will be forever immortalized in this podcast. His review reads... Once an addict, always an addict. Or so the saying goes. The Babadook is not a horror film. Not to me, at least. It's a dark, brooding, psychological drama that utilizes tropes of the horror genre to convey an underlying message. It's a film about two things. Grief and drug addiction. Whoa. Yeah, right? I was shook. I was like, what? What? This is quite clear to me. Quote, you can't get rid of the Babadook, unquote. Certainly, you can't. You can't get rid of your addictions. Oh, what the heck? And you can't get rid of the feeling of missing your deceased loved ones. You can only tame yourself to live without harmful, escapist tendencies. The ending of this film is in perfect concordance with this notion. Amelia is a woman haunted by the loss of her husband. That is the primary conflict here. But as a result of her loss, she became hooked on an easy escape, probably methamphetamine. Wow, what the hell? Is there more? Yes. Oh my gosh. From what I can tell, the toothaches, the dilated eyes, the belief that substances can be effective problem solvers, the bipolar behavior, ups and downs, the hallucinations. Like I said, it's quite clear to me. The Duke is a great film. It could be seen as a fine companion piece to another fantastic metaphorical film about methamphetamine addiction. Willem Friedkin's Bug. If you enjoyed this film, you have yet to see that one. I highly recommend checking it out. Jennifer Kent, which is the director of this movie, really went beyond the realm of horror with this one. Rather than craft a film about a shadowy monster that haunts a mother and her son, she has created a brilliantly symbolic psychodrama that is both frightening and poignant. A commentary on grief slash loss, chemical dependence, and interpersonal relationships. Definitely a film that I look forward to revisiting. If you're curious about how I arrived at my addiction theory, specific moments to pay attention to, 
are, spoilers included, number one, when she's entranced by the television slash having hallucinations and delusions. Number two, her inability to sleep. Number three, the bugs crawling around her house slash on her body while she's driving. We didn't mention that, but we yeah. We didn't. Wow. Number four, the way she switches from being super up to super down. Number five, the way she seems so relieved when the doctor begins writing a prescription, more so than you think a mother dealing with a son who has emotional problems would be. The sigh she gives is almost like a, quote, this will solve everything in the world, unquote, type of sigh. Number six, the paranoia and facial twitches in the police station. Number seven, the pupil dilation scene. This is probably the strongest indication of drugs being involved. It occurs just before an hour and ten minutes into the film. Number eight, when she pulls her tooth out as if it had been decaying or something. There's also a foreshadowing to the teeth aspect when the boy grinds his teeth in bed towards the beginning. I had a lot of questions about the teeth pulling. Yeah, and I remember I told him, like, I, I found something for it. I found something that talks oh about it. Oh my gosh. And number nine, towards the end of the movie, when the boy has her tied up and she almost seems to be withdrawing. You have to get me out! And finally, number 10, the literal vomiting of the black ooze. Black, because she is removing the chemicals slash toxins from her body. Later on in this scene, it seems to me like this symbolizes purging something more than just her being absorbed in her grief. Vomiting blood can be a side effect of methamphetamine addiction, and vomiting does occur during withdrawals, which is what, to me, seems to be occurring in this scene. Oh my. Wasn't that wild? That is crazy. I know. But it makes so much sense, and I really, really like that. We'll definitely have to look at a director's commentary for this movie because there are just so many different interpretations of what it means. Yeah, and I think that's what's important to realize is that obviously Eli had a great interpretation and that is super awesome and that's valid to him, but that's not the final say. His doesn't invalidate someone else's mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So while this is super interesting, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Go ahead. Do you want me to start off with what the Babadook represents, or do you want to get into our first theory? I think both of those sound like theories, right? Technically. Uh, that's, everything is... That's unless the hard part, is everything is a theory. Yeah, so... Or interpretation. I saw a YouTube video about this, even when the director says, this was my intention, just because that's the intention doesn't necessarily mean that's the way people are going to perceive it. Uh-huh. And I don't think that just because even a director says something, that's the final say. Uh -huh. That's just their interpretation. Okay, well, which one do you want? Surprise me. Surprise I'm, I'm ready. All right, ready? Yes. A Mr. Babadook Theory. The Babadook represents the mother's hatred for the son. Oh, he's starting <laughs> strong. In the beginning of the movie, Samuel is represented to be an inconvenience and an annoying, disobedient boy. He's horrible. We see him from the mother's point of view. This is apparent when he bugs her or attacks other people. She has to open and close all the windows and closets and has to read him a book twice every night. As time progresses, we see Amelia in Samuel's eyes. He's just a scared boy clinging to the one parent he has left for love. But he is abused mentally and physically, maybe more than the one time shown in the movie, to the point where he builds weapons, rigs, and traps to defend himself. He also tells his mother to not let it in, maybe meaning the hatred or disgust. Ooh, okay. Now, the Babadook within itself is, as I said, Amelia's disdain 
for Samuel. Whenever Mr. Babadook makes a noise, it is her rage flaring up. The car crash near the middle of the movie is when she first tries to kill Samuel. This is when the Babadook is attacking the roof of the car. Samuel is screaming, obviously annoying to Amelia, so she tries to kill herself and him, but stops and is in a fender bender, which is when she crashes in with the other guy. Wow. Towards the ending, she screams at the ghost of her husband and the Babadook, telling them to get out of her house and that they are trespassing on her property. She then is able to control her emotions. Amelia controls the rage against her son and says that he can see it when he is much, much older, meaning either that they will have a heart-to-heart about it or he will understand it when he is a parent. She tells him not to come into the basement where his father's things are. When Samuel asks how it is on his birthday, basically asking, how are you, mom? She responds by saying, it's quiet today. And the movie abruptly ends on their hug. Damn. So both theories say that she's a piece of shit mom. (laughs) Basically, she hates her son. She hates her son and she's on drugs. Yeah. Not saying that makes... Well, being on drugs doesn't make you a great parent. Yeah. (laughs) But not saying you're a piece of shit. (laughs) But we got issues to work through. So basically, the Babadook in this scenario is... Rage. Rage, anger, hatred. Disdain for her. Disappointment, hatred. All the D's for her son. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All the D's for her son. (laughs) That's not bad. Yeah. I made a face like, "Ah." I think that one's a lot more attainable for a lot of people to understand. I think so, too. And I think you can actually see, like, she gets mad at him. As far as, like, actually seeing meth in the movie. We don't see meth, but (laughs) both of them are crazy theories. Yeah, and and I think that in some way they correlate and they almost tie together. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, her rage kind of... And her rage and her grief for her husband Uh pushes her to just kind of seek seek pleasure in drugs uh-huh and I Man, defi- that's deep that's dark <laughs> i definitely think that her husband's death grew so much resentment towards her son because it was literally the day he was born that her husband died yeah and wow in the ending samuel had told the cps people I never had a birthday on like a birthday party on my actual birthday and they're like why Oh, because my dad also died on my birthday. Yeah, damn, okay. So the fact that Amelia avoided his actual birthday for eight years is just so sad. And they never truly got to celebrate his actual birthday. Because it was a reminder when her husband died. Uh Uh-huh, which is so messed up. Like, that's so sad. And I just, like, it, it makes you feel so bad because imagine all of the celebrations that you could have had with your, you know, of your actual son the life of your son you avoided all of it yeah wow okay what's the next one you got the next one i borrowed the horror subreddit and i couldn't find this theory so i thought i would throw it out there it might belong somewhere else but i would love to hear somebody else's thoughts if they like the movie i'm going to largely ignore the majority of the nuances and details of the story just to highlight a couple of things and i've seen it three times but not for about a year, so kick me in the head if I'm missing some (laughs) broad stroke (laughs) that invalidates my theory. So first off, about an hour through the movie, when Amelia is having a hard time sleeping, she is up watching TV. A news report is playing about a woman who killed her son on his seventh birthday and stashed his body in the basement. 
This establishes some sort of timeline within the framework of the story because Samuel has not had his seventh birthday at this point in the movie. Then she sees super freaky Amelia in the window of the house doing her freaky smile. Yeah, that smile is creepy as hell. It was creepy. At the end of the movie, it is Samuel's seventh birthday and that's when she feeds the worms to the Babadook in the basement. And Samuel is obedient for like probably the first time in the entire movie and he leaves her alone. (laughs) I also had remembered reading this on IMDb. Quote, Director Jennifer Kent was extremely sensitive about introducing the themes of the film to the child actor Noah Wiseman. During the three weeks of pre-production, she carefully gave him a child-friendly version of what the story was about. Wiseman's mother was on set throughout the film and Wiseman himself was never actually present on set during the scene in which Essie Davis, which is Amelia, abused her son. Davis instead delivered the lines to an adult actor who stood on his knees. Kent is quoted as saying, I didn't want to destroy a childhood to make this film, end quote. Wow, that's amazing because oftentimes you hear about these little kids say, I'm so traumatized from this or that. Yeah. And I think that that's super admirable and it's, you have to go out of your way to try to do that. To try and be nice and to try and preserve someone's childhood. (laughs) Exactly. All right. This is what he thinks. I think that she killed Samuel and shoved his body into the basement before committing suicide, just like the news report says. But since Jennifer Kent was so concerned about traumatizing no wise men, Samuel, the killing happens off screen. This was her extra fucking sneaky way of telling people <laughs> the grisly details to the ending of the goddamn terrifying relationship while preserving the ambiguity of the final scene. I'm sure someone has had this idea. I just haven't seen it posted. Lots of people think that Amelia kills the poor sweet dear boy, but I haven't seen this evidence put forth yet. Jeez, though, I really like this movie. Wow, that is a lot. All of these theories are a lot. I know, and it all has to deal with how much she hates her son. <laughs> Sammy, Noah Wiseman is the goat at being the most unlikable son, apparently, to, to Amelia. And he doesn't even know it. I know, oh my gosh. This was my favorite theory, because that scene of the news report was just so creepy to me. That, and yeah, it, it makes. 100%. So much more sense. I just thought it was so cool. And definitely thinking that that last scene of Samuel's birthday was just kind of like the wishful thinking of someone who committed a murder. Oh, I have a new theory that Amelia is a meth addicted woman who hates her son and kills her son. I just put them all together. (laughs) I know. It's so wild because you see that she loves her son, but there's just so many things that she's battling with, you know, the loss, the drugs and the resentment the sex the money the power <laughs> babadook 2 coming 2023 oh my gosh but yeah it's crazy though but there's so many things in this movie that i just have metaphorical meaning and this was my favorite you just love this idea i just love this idea that's awesome okay so those are the conspiracies what did you think I thought they were all great and I all believed in them, but I still like to think of the monster as being symbolic for just grief, simply put. Uh-huh. And I think that the Babadook being both of their combined grief uh-huh. and them overcoming it in that sense is the happiest ending <laughs> <laughs> besides drugs and uh, rage Blissful and murder. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Coming from me, it sounds crazy, but yeah. Uh-huh. What do you think? On the other end of the spectrum, I absolutely loved the theory that she killed Samuel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Without an action to any of those things, we're left with really nothing. Yeah, 100%. But I don't know if that's the (laughs) noble action to take. It's an action. 
It is. So, what would you rate the Babadook? I think I would rate the Babadook four stars. Four stars. Officially four from... Four stars. Letterbox.com slash IzzyPetrie. You can go and check it out. She will have a four star rating. Hell yeah. So, we've got my rating. Let's hear yours. I'm going to do four and a half stars. Really? Yes, four and a half stars for me. And nice. I think every single time I rewatch this, I'm going to watch it with a certain theory in mind. Oh, I like that. And I'm going to see how, how it plays and how it meshes with those theories. But that's it. We did it. The we second episode. We did it. But before we talk about next week's episode uh-huh. we just like to remind everyone if you enjoyed this episode once again please go and follow us on instagram at what is movie pod yes please and also follow us on letterboxd at generic droid and at izzy p letter p tree tree and what is next week's movie dun, 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 dun. monty python is that what it's called <laughs> the legend of monty no monty P- god monty python and the Holy Grail. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, they got it. It is a old school comedy classic, right? I don't know if I'd call it old school. I mean, it's class. Yeah. It's old. It's old. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> it's 1975, directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones. The Terry Boys. The Terry Boys. This movie is available on Netflix, so we are going to try to recommend more movies <laughs> on the podcast that are actually available on streaming services. Uh-huh. So that's what next week's episode will be. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 1975. 91 minutes long, not that long. So Uh put it in your calendar and we'll see you next week. Bye bye, everybody. Take care. (laughs) Woo.